following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. We're about to hear our Bible reading for this evening, and it's a difficult passage. Difficult because it seems to be asking for a way of life which many of us would not agree with ethically. After we've heard it, I'll suggest a way of reading this passage which tries to tackle the ethical issues it presents. But for now, as we hear the passage, I'd like to invite you to pay attention to your emotions. How does this passage leave you feeling, and why is that? Let's hear our reading now. Good evening, everyone. Today's Bible reading is taken from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-7. to I'll give you a few moments now to look that up in your own Bibles. Verse 1. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be worn away without words by the behaviour of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women in the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves, submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, obeyed Abraham and called him a Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect, as the weak partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gifts of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So how did that passage leave you feeling? Possibly annoyed or angry? How can wives be told to be submissive to their husbands? How can wives be called the weaker partner in a marriage? Possibly you felt incredulous or disbelieving. How can a passage which puts women down be described as the word of the Lord? Possibly, on the other hand, you felt relief, either because you find in the passage some helpful clarity for roles in a marriage, or alternatively because you're not married and you're relieved it doesn't apply to you. Well, I don't presume to know how each of you is feeling, but if you felt any of the things I've just described, you wouldn't be alone. Part of the reason for the passage causing such emotions is that when it's read on its own, without the verses that come before it, It sounds like a list of instructions for a marriage. It sounds like an IKEA manual on how to put together a married relationship. In my experience, IKEA and a happy marriage don't go together anyway. For me and Aaron, one of the most testing times is whenever we cross the threshold of IKEA. Aaron hates shopping, so an IKEA trip is not something he naturally looks forward to. And I'm not good with that kind of meandering layout that IKEA has. If I want a new desk lamp, I get frustrated by having to go past sofas and bedside tables, 
kitchen sinks and meatballs to get there. By the time we get to the warehouse, the atmosphere is tense. And by the time we've checked out, we're halfway to booking a session with Relate. And that's before we've even put the furniture together. But that's a side issue. My main point is that this passage from 1 Peter is not best read as an IKEA set of instructions for marriage. Instead, it's best seen as an illustration of a point made before chapter 3 begins. For this reason, I'd like to spend some time this evening looking back at the end of chapter 2, where the key to understanding our passage lies. The key to 1 Peter 3 is in 1 Peter 2, specifically verses 16 and 17. 1 Peter 2.16 says, Live as free persons, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Verse 17 says, Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God. Honour the King. In chapters 2 and 3, 1 Peter grapples with an issue that faces all Christians at some point or another. The problem of two allegiances. If we follow Christ, what is our relationship with human authorities? Do we obey Christ or do we obey the King, the Emperor, the Parliament, the Courts? And Peter's answer is both. Fear God and honour the King. Yes, he says, you have freedom in Christ, but that does not leave you free to ignore human authorities, to decide on a whim whether you feel like following the law of the land or not. Nor does it leave you free to return violence with violence, abuse with abuse. You are not free to pay back unjust treatment you've received. That is the point. It's about what freedom in Christ means when we live within human structures of authority. And after he's made his point, Peter illustrates it using the authority structures only too familiar to his first century hearers the ancient household structures that put free men in authority over slaves and husbands in authority over wives. In that household structure, slaves are given a pattern to follow and the pattern is that of Christ. In chapter 2, verse 23, we read, When they hurled their insults at him, Christ did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. In other words, when Christ was abused, he did not return the abuse. When Christ was mistreated, he did not give as good as he got, he gave better. He did not meet hate with hate, he met hate with love. 
I don't know how many of you are Star Wars fans, but it reminds me of that final scene in the Star Wars film Return of the Jedi. It's Luke Skywalker against Emperor Palpatine. It's the Force against the dark side, good against evil. What the Emperor wants is for Luke to kill Darth Vader, to kill the right-hand man of the Emperor, to kill the agent of evil. But Luke realises that if he does that, he will be returning to de destruction for destruction and evil for evil. He'll be no better than them. And he too will join the dark side. And so he lays down his lightsaber. Hate does not meet hate. It meets love. This is the point one Peter is making. Follow Christ, respect human authorities, and when you're treated badly, don't pay it back. The instructions to slaves and to wives attempt to illustrate this point using the household structure that was a given in the ancient world. But it's important that we follow the underlying point rather than the illustration. If we don't, then we will accept the principle that some human beings can be enslaved by others. We will end up agreeing with slavery. Which of us would tell a victim of sex trafficking today that she has no right to be released? Which of us would tell an imprisoned and penniless farm worker that he's got to stay where he is? None of us would say that. And it's not just our conscience that tells us that slavery is wrong. We've got good biblical reasons for condemning slavery. We know from Genesis 1 that we're all made in the image of God. We hear the words of Jesus that we should love our neighbours as ourselves. We are sisters and brothers in Christ, not objects to be owned by someone else. And yet if we take the instructions to slaves from 1 Peter as the point, rather than the illustration, we'll end up supporting slavery. Follow the point, not the illustration. So what does it look like to follow the point of 1 Peter 2, but not the illustration? Well, it looks like Martin Luther King's campaign for civil rights. Martin Luther King knew that freedom in Christ did not give him freedom to return violence with violence. He followed this point. But Martin Luther King also believed that unequal treatment of black Americans was unjust and needed to be challenged. He did not tell his followers to submit themselves to the system or to bear up under the pain of unjust suffering. He resisted the injustice, but not by returning abuse for abuse. He said, darkness cannot drive out darkness, 
Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. You may by now be thinking that I've lost all sight of our passage this evening. What reason can there be for dealing with the end of chapter 2 in such length, especially when Ruth preached on it so ably last week? Well, the reason is four small words at the start of chapter 3. The words are, in the same way. The start of chapter 3 says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. What that means is that our passage this evening, the instructions to wives and husbands, are a further illustration of the point made in chapter 2. The four small words link our passage firmly with what has gone before and mean that we're not on to a new topic. The break between chapter 2 and chapter 3 was inserted into the text in the 16th century, that's almost one and a half thousand years after the letter was written. The instructions to wives and husbands are another illustration of how to use our freedom in Christ, just like the passage about slaves. And just like the instructions to slaves, here too, we need to follow the point, not the illustration. This passage does not require us to adopt patriarchal first century ideas about marriage any more than the previous passage requires us to support slavery. The passage does not need to be turned into an IKEA instruction book for marriage. It should be seen for what it is an illustration of a general point about respecting authority and not returning abuse for abuse. And perhaps there's a bit more that we can glean from our passage this evening. Many have pointed out that there are parts of this passage that suggest resistance to the patriarchal structure of first century marriage. From this passage, a husband doesn't have absolute authority over his wife. In verse 1, Peter tells wives they can attempt to win over their husbands to the Christian faith. In other words, a wife has a right to her Christian faith, and not only that, she can try and change the faith of her husband. From verse 7, a wife has the right to be treated with respect and consideration by her husband. And from verse 8, a wife is an heir of eternal life just as much as her husband. That does not go nearly as far towards gender equality as other biblical texts and evidence do. But when we think about how the ancient world worked, where a husband owned his wife and expected her to adopt his faith. These words in 1 Peter do start to sound like resistance to the social order. It is a quiet resistance, 
but it is still resistance. If I had to give this sermon a title, it would be something like Not Retaliation, But Resistance. Our passage this evening forms part of an illustration of what freedom in Christ looks like. It looks like treating authorities with respect. It looks like not returning abuse with abuse. It looks like not retaliating. But it can also, and especially from our passage this evening, look like resistance, like a right to try and change systems of control. The picture is complex because the issue is complex. Peter illustrated his point by referring to the only social system he knew. We need to follow his point, not adopt the cultural practices that helped him make that point. But how is it that we do that? We can start by praying for the guidance of God's Holy Spirit. At Pentecost, God sent his enabling Holy Spirit. It empowered the disciples to speak in miraculous ways. It enabled the disciples to testify to Jesus Christ. And it contained a promise that God's Holy Spirit would be given to everyone God calls. And it is with the guidance of the Holy Spirit that we find out how we, in each of our particular situations, can follow the point Peter makes. How can we avoid retaliation and yet resist what we know to be unjust? It's an issue that we've seen on our news this week in the USA. Earlier this week, George Floyd, a black American, died in police custody. Video footage shows a policeman kneeling on George Floyd's neck while he's calling out that he can't breathe. He was unarmed and had not been violent. And his death has understandably caused outrage. Much of the outrage has taken the form of non-violent protest, but some has gone further, with cars and even a police station torched. George Floyd was a Christian, and his girlfriend, Courtney Ross, has explained how she feels he would have responded to the violence his death has prompted. She said this, Waking up this morning to see Minneapolis on fire would be something that would devastate Floyd. He loved the city. He was a gentle giant. He was about love and about peace. She has asked for the demonstrations to continue, but for the violence to end. Resist, but don't pay back violence for violence. I started this evening asking you how you felt about our reading. Some of you may well have felt angered by it. There's nothing wrong 
with feeling anger at injustice. But 1 Peter asks us to consider what we do with that anger. Do we lash out to get even? Or do we take the path of resistance that seeks to transform the unjust structures of human society through the power of the Holy Spirit? And in doing so, prepares the way for the kingdom of God. Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.